Ah, the weekend. Thank Crunchy and plenty to hear from your radio today. This is Playback Daily. I'm Carol Moran, and here's what you might have missed. It's tough to watch. I mean, they used the word that uh, Nichols was a, a pinata that they were. They were just beating him. And throughout it, he was just saying, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? What interests me is not in the facts about the woman. It's also about how we interpret those facts later Mm. on, what she means to us now. Mm. How can she, as a real person and as a concept, evolve um, to reflect the Ireland that is is of now? His most proudest moment was when I was singing in Croke Park at the semi-finals. Like, that's my witty up there now singing the national anthem. And we'll start out with a Funny Friday live from the Kingsley Hotel in Cork with Joe and Co. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Funny Friday. We're in the Kingsley Hotel in Cork. Doc is with us, Doc Savage. Well, it's great to be in the home with the real Taoiseach. (laughs) (laughs) Now, they're recycling the government. This government's a green government, right? And they're recycling Taoiseachs. Junior ministers. Now they're going to recycle posters. <laughs> I just bought a book the other day. It was down here in Cork. I bought a book. It's the shortest book in history. The Irish politi- political book of ethics. Finna Gael are doing very bad in the poll. Uh, the Taoiseach, Leo Baracker, he went to Finna Gael at hide and seek. And no one bothered to look for him. <laughs> and after building that brand new state-of-the-art toilet in Dollar, did you hear that? Oh, spent no, a, yeah, no, spent no, a fortune on it. Yeah. And I said, it's not a waste of money. It's the only place they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know the cost of living? Things are going very bad at the moment. The price of the point has gone up. I was in a hotel in Dublin last week. I asked for the point again and said, how much is that? He told me the price. I said, I don't want to stay here. <laughs> Thought he made me an offer for the house. And people now have to, more than buy new shoes, are getting their shoes repaired. Did you notice that lately? I did the shoe repairs. He said, much of it cost to have me shoes, new pair of heels, five euros. And much for a new pair of soles, 20 euros. So can you heal them up to the toe? <laughs> <laughs> so the woman sends her, her husband's suit to the cleaners, and she opens, takes her one to pocket, sees a little note, Mary Ann, and the phone number, a number on it, you know. She said to her husband, Mom, who's this Mary Ann here? You know, what's this here? Oh, no, that's the horse thing going to back tomorrow. <laughs> oh, grand. The next evening, he arrived home, and his wife said, remember that horse you were, you know, we're talking on the back, yeah? Well, she rang today. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar mania. Oscar mania in Ireland this week. We're going to, uh, some of the big stars, we're going to ask them here through Live Link, what they, uh, as Oscar fever is everywhere, we're honoured to have some of the biggest names in Hollywood uh, with us to tell us about their Oscar experience. Um, uh, Morgan Freeman, what are your memories, Morgan? Well, let me tell you something, Joe. I was nominated five times. I thought I was the best actor in driving Miss Daisy. Certainly the best driver, but nothing. I thought I was even better in Shawshank, but nothing. But I did eventually win my Oscar for Million Dollar Baby, and I felt like a million dollars that night. My Oscar. Sometimes I just quietly sit and hold it in my hand, gently giving it a polish, then I place it back on the mantelpiece, and I just stare at it, not saying a word, just thinking about my old friend Oscar. I'm one of Joe Pesky. Joe, how did you get on with the Oscars? What do you mean, how did I get on? What? I didn't bring it out on a date, if that's what you're saying. 
I tell you, not, not the nominated actors who don't want to talk in a movie. Brendan Gleeson, are you trying to be funny? I got my Oscar for Goodfellas, and I don't mean the pizzas. Now, that was a movie. You couldn't shut me up for crying out loud, and I'm still talking. Okay, 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 okay. I'll shut up now. I don't like the way you're looking I'll, at I'll, me. Al Pacino, I'll, surely you have fond memories of Oscar night. I got to tell you, Joe, eight Oscar nominations. Oh, yeah. And finally, they give me the Oscar for Scent of a Woman. I think I need to do an Irish movie. You guys are getting all the Oscar action here. What is going on? Who do I talk to? And don't say talk to Joe. Who ha <laughs> Robert, Robert De Niro. Robert, um, you're such an iconic actor. You must have been at many an Oscar night. Uh, well, I won two of them. <laughs> I Godfather 2, Raging Bull, and I've been a Raging Bull ever since, let me tell you that. <laughs> Nominated four more times and nothing. I'm with Pacino in this one. Time to do some Irish stuff, you know, Joe? With all the talk about your deer population, I could do a remake of The Deer Hunter, you know, set entirely in Phoenix Park, you know? And it won't be no Bambi movie, movie either, let me tell you that. Much. I see Eddie, Eddie Morphy, Eddie. Eddie, a few words, please. Oscars. Let me tell you something, Joe. <laughs> I ain't got an Oscar. I was only nominated once. Why didn't they ask me to do the voiceover for that Jenny Donkey and Banshees of Inish, whatever, whatever it's called? I could have kicked some ass, let me tell you. I could have brought something to that movie. I'm an experienced donkey voiceover artist. It's what I do, Joe. Why didn't they ask me? But no, they wanted that donkey to just be a donkey and do donkey things. Anyway, I've been offered to do a movie, a movie about Donkey Ote. That sounds right up my street. Al Foran from Funny Friday on Liveline. And on the Ryan Tipperty Show, it was the joy of live performance, family life and divas when world-famous Irish sopranos Celine Byrne and Claudia Boyle popped into studio and they were in fine voice. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, mother of God. Oh, chicken. Who do you think you are? <laughs> oh, don't. We were spice singing the Spice Girls, girls and opera voices yeah. outside. Can you opera oh, yes. the Spice Girls? Is we actually were out there going, that's what, our, uh, that's what people around us hate or think that we do. They think we sing everything in an opera voice. So we Well, were I do to annoy my husband. It's one of his pet hates. Me, me singing no. pop me songs and rock songs in an opera voice. But no, yeah. but I really ham it up. He does we were making fun of people who sing like uh, Christmas song opera singers. Uh, we shouldn't be doing that. But we were making fun of opera singers uh, who at Christmas time had sung normal songs yeah. in an opera voice. And in it was a real just, opera voice. You know, yeah. like, don't adapt to the style that you're, and it was like, that you're singing. You're not, you're not buying it. You just, no, you, 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 just leave it alone. Are you saying like just stay in your lane? Kind of like, but you don't have to do a, a big opera voice if if a song isn't an operatic song. You yeah. know what I mean. So it's kind of making fun of that. Some you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now when they come you, to the you opera, adapt, that we're, you know. when they come to the opera that we're doing in March, Rose and Cavalier, that obviously that is we opera. So you we will, will hear do our it in, opera yeah, voices. in opera voices. Oh, here, listen, we're going to get there in a minute. Let's. But to hold your horses, everybody, we just need to get to know each other here and, and, and introduce you to our friends at home, <laughs> driving along and doing whatever they're doing today. Because Claudia, I think this is our first encounter. This so. My really first nice time to here. see you. So thank encounter. you for having me. <laughs> well, that's what you call it. A close encounter, yes. Well, not necessarily. As if so. There's a few meters. Well, there is a meter, is there? Or two? Well, can you explain or uh, describe your water beaker, whatever, flask to everyone? Because I've never seen anything quite this is like a, it. Yeah, this is a kind of Swarovski water bottle. And every... 
Well, not every soprano, but every woman should have one, I have to say. For if something glitters. I'm drinking out of a Ballygown paper cup, and Claudia Boyle is beside me with a bling bling, sporosity crystal encrusted water bottle. Of two divas. But uh, I'm like a magpie. If I see something glittery, I just, I have to have it. So, yeah, this was a. It actually would have been wrong not to buy it. You so, said Swarovski. Swarovski. Yeah. I'm sorry. Obviously, I don't <laughs> mix in your circles. But uh, is that is that actually a five euro pennies or is that the real thing? No, this is like a well. I mean, it's Swarovski. Is it is it, it proper? Yeah, it's well, it's, I tell it's you, Swarovski. My water, I mean, my it's paper not diamonds. Taste the same. <laughs> It's well, all there good. Go. There you go. But it looks Keeping so pretty. It looks so pretty. It looks so pretty. I love it. Tell us a bit about yourselves, uh, uh, Claudia. Let's let's start with you <clears> for, for starters in terms of where you're from and the drift into the opera world. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm from Dublin, and um, I suppose I always I always did uh, you know acting and and music. Music was really big in our house, mm. and actually one of the things I used to do was make fun of opera singers as a child. So it's kind of ironic that I am one. In what now. way? Just I always used to kind of grab a, a hairbrush and put on an opera voice it was kind of you know I was pretending to be an opera singer you were mocking that. yeah absolutely mocking uh, opera singers and my okay. family used to laugh I used to get up at dinner time and kind of do a little show and that kind of thing very good so yeah then I just kind of fell into it like I, I studied cello I did cello in college and then it was halfway through college I said I was sitting in the pit actually because we you know would have accompanied opera singers on stage and I was kind of looking up at the stage saying no, I want to be up there. I don't oh. want to be down here. <laughs> you don't want to be in the pitch. You want to be front of stage. Yeah, yeah. really. Like, I, yeah. I just have to be honest. That's that's how I felt. And um, yeah, and then I just said it to my singing teacher at the time because I was singing uh, part time. And I said, I've got to really, you know, it's just, you know, the cello was wonderful and, and it's it's an amazing instrument, but it just wasn't enough for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, then she said, OK, let's do this. And uh, I, I finished the degree and then I did a master's in voice. And then I was fortunate enough to go over to Salzburg, uh, which is a huge huge opera festival um, one of the biggest in the world actually and there I kind of learnt my trade I did a young artist course there and um, yeah I just got to meet loads of people I yeah. got to sing for loads of conductors and then I got my first job in Rome opera and then I just kind of was thrown into it let yeah, me just yeah. say I think the cello is my favourite instrument of all it I is think it's the most beautiful, beautiful instrument yeah. meaningful sound oh, it just it's gets just, you right it does time. get you like, do you know if ever you hear the you know the swan by Sanson like it, it's just the most beautiful sounding instrument and it's got such dark Dark tones, but then when it goes high, it's it's, it's so do you, beautiful. Do you have a cello playlist on your Spotify uh, account or anything like that? No. It, but yeah, I, I, I would do. I mean, I, I I we listen to like lyric um, FM and classic FM a lot. So you know, when 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 cello pieces come on that I've played a chorus, I'll I'll, I'll sit the and listen. Sonata number one. It's yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's really haunting. It's it's yeah. So I need some suggestions. Guide me. Useful repertoire. Well, I mean, the go-to that really just gets me every time, and it's probably an obvious one, is the Swan. Um, Camille Sanson and it's just one of those pieces that just stops you yeah it just stops you in your tracks and Ryan asked Celine Byrne about her first experience of opera Celine you, your, your road to uh, to opera is uh, it always amuses me in some ways because what was it you were 30 were you when, when it really all kicked off yeah it was well like yeah so I went as an au pair when I was 18 to Milan I saw an opera for the first time and for me it was something that was highfalutin uh, kind of something that I wasn't interested in but I said sure while I'm in Milan I might as well go and I got the free tickets and I thought sure that'll be grand and then I was like Jesus I love this Yeah. and then I was studying music philosophy and theology um, and then I went on to study music performance then I did my degree then I did my masters I think I was studying for years and years and years because I was 
way to get into the real world and get a real job and uh, <laughs> raising my kids at the same time. And then, yeah, when I was 30, I, I finished my degree and I went out and I went into the competition circuit and I won um, a prize in Stogginbosch. And then the second competition I won was Maria Callas won in Athens. And that's what started it all. And yeah, it was a hobby that developed into a career. I love it. I just love being on stage. I love singing opera. I think it's amazing. I love just um, moving away from my country turf, <laughs> turf, throwing turf into the shed girl into being a diva on stage and dressing up and getting into a character. I just love it. What a contrast. So, yeah. I love acting. I love singing. I love the stage. I love interacting with an audience when I'm doing a concert. Obviously, the interaction's different when you're doing an opera because you're playing a role and you're you're bringing the audience in in a different way because they yeah. are drawn in by the story that's been told on stage through song, basically. Through you're, you're, opera. you're both show women in, and I'm a show man. We're show people. We, yeah, we, we yeah. do like, I know for a fact, I love Entertainers. The, I like the thrust of it. I love live Live TV, oh, there's live nothing, like nothing live beats it. Yeah, like yeah. there's nothing like that when you have the, the the TV audience on a Friday night and you know that there's a few people at home as well. It it's it, that that adrenaline is oh it's is huge <sighs> and that's yeah. what we kind of missed the last few years with the pandemic. Like I I really missed not having an audience to feed off. You know, like there were so many occasions, especially we were down in the Wexford Festival and they went, you know, digital and online for the pandemic. And, you know, one of the weirdest kind of feelings was me performing at the gala at the end of the festival just to an empty auditorium and just with cameras. But I was performing to an empty auditorium. So it was was bizarre. Yeah, it was bizarre. And yeah, I just really missed that energy that you get off. But it's funny because opera, you you said a minute ago, Celine, used that lovely expression, highfalutin. Highfalutin. No, but it is. (laughs) That's that's the real Irish. Put down masquerading as a comp as a compliment. You know, so I don't get into all that highfalutin stuff. It's the fear of the unknown. It is the it's fear that's of the not what it is because it's not accessible, or they think it's not um, accessible. Well, because thing, yeah. we are a land of saints and scholars, and we have like three Nobel Prize winners for literature, and we're very much into the traditions of trying to hold on to our Gaelic tradition of shanos and passing down music and uh, harp melodies and song and sing songs and everything. And then you guys come so along. So the idea of <laughs> Opera, which is a foreign kind of art form, yeah. and ballet, which is something new. But I definitely think it's something that's uh, coming to the fore into the Irish culture. A lot of people are going to operas oh, so now and to ballet you, you and theatre. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as for performing live after the pandemic, there's kind of a post-pandemic um, realignment of expectations and things, and I think mm. that that's why your your opera, as it's happening. Um, in board gosh the energy theatre will be something people should consider if they haven't ever done it before with a view to saying well I've never done that but I think this should be a year of trying new things and it's doing as I said like it's, a a, new yeah, it's an experience yeah. Yeah. like to be in a theatre like the board gosh and we're very blessed to have it um, with a full orchestra live orchestra you know, like so many Beautiful. shows you go to and it's pre-record with, you know, with some live instruments. You've got a full orchestra there. And it's a live big orchestra because it's, it's it's a big orchestration. You know, it's a so huge, it's, it's, it's not sound. like, you know, a, a Mozart or, you know, a Bach or something like that. It's it's a really lush, big, full orchestra. It's symphonic almost. Tell me know? about uh, fa- family-wise. You mentioned your husband and, and you've got yes, kids, haven't I you? I am what you call in the thick of it at the moment, What does Brian, that mean? Because that means I have two children. Uh, one is three and a half now 
now and the uh, blossom. And um, my son George is sixteen months, okay. so it's busy. Well, can it's I busy just com- great. compliment you on the name Blossom? I think it's a very sweet name. Oh, thank There's you. There's a singer called Blossom Deary who comes up on my um, really uh, Spotify sometimes. Oh, kind nice. of a blues singer, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, so that's quite sweet. And yeah. uh, you're in the thick of it, meaning that you're running. well. Just it's it's busy, you yeah. know. Um, it's, well, like we're you both have a baby. And so when she says she's in the thick of it, she really means the thick of it. Like this morning, we were taking pictures outside your studio to say that we're here yeah. to tune in, and <laughs> I couldn't take a picture because it was all blurry and I was like what's wrong with your camera and it was like picking porridge off the back yeah, oh yeah there's porridge on my on phone the jam on the camera <laughs> it was so funny my, my husband he's, he's an accountant but he was in a kind of important meeting the other day and he said to me he took out his phone in the meeting and there was porridge yes, all over it so yes. he put him back in his pocket I just love that That's, that, that makes him human that's <laughs> for the sure just brilliant now, Ryan, I'm, I'm, at your, I'm at your end as well so yours are what age now uh, well, my son is actually a shout out to my my son. It's his birthday tomorrow. I'm going yeah. home like this evening to to um, have host his party with all his friends coming to the house. What age is he? He's going to be seventeen tomorrow. Oh, well, that's a that's a yeah, big that's age. That's a yeah. baby. Yeah, and, and yeah. the others. And then I've got um, and um, my daughter, who's the middle child, and then the older child. Okay, you're. Oh, you know, we're not going to do the maths here now. <laughs> people would be adding up yeah, how, how old, old is the eldest child? And my eldest is my eldest is twenty six, and my daughter's twenty one. Did your Did your eldest uh, get up on stage with you? In uh, no, that was the youngest. Your youngest, yeah, the seventeen year, sixteen year old. He's so tall. What did he sing with you? He's he, at Christmas. He we were in the Borgosh doing my Christmas gala I do every year. Yeah. And he sang Winter's Tale, David Essex, oh, Winter's that. Tale. Oh, that's amazing. And he was so brilliant. he came on stage with you. That yeah. takes some guts to do that. I for was him. so proud. Like I was crying and. You know, that's you know, amazing. Doing the mommy and you, get totes the motion. But you know, yeah. funny. I, I talked to a few people who were who were at your Christmas concert, yeah. and apparently it was a very emotional affair on the basis that yeah. it, you know it was the first. It was a very emotional Christmas for so many different reasons mm-hmm. for lots of people. Yeah. But the, that the music that you sing and the fact that like even when you had your son up with you, mm. um, you know, and suddenly a Christmas song can bring you. Yeah, well, that's what I, as I said, as a kid. That's what I love about, uh, as I said, about concerts is that you can connect and I love concerts and I love, I love the chats. So it's not just about me getting up and singing a song and singing at people. I like interacting with people. I like talking and I like... Communicating and would, would you like a job like different. like mine? I would. I think you'd be really good I at it. I would absolutely love it. Ryan. Would you? No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking. No, I would definitely. It's definitely something that you'd I want really to do. You'd be really good at it because yeah. you've a natural uh, turn of phrase and a curiosity about people. And I could see you doing a gig like this. I mean, Jesus, we'll have to have a chat. You should, no, but you should. And again, the J bomb. Yeah, you dropped another J bomb. I know it's okay though. You in didn't a good bless way. yourself this time. In a good way. Does one cover them all? It's a, there you go. <laughs> We're back in again. He's very good to me. God is good. You no, know, you are. I know you, we've talked about your faith before. It's, yeah. it's really important to you. It is. Um, and uh, you had a very tough uh, COVID, didn't you, in terms of family? And I'm sorry yeah, to condolences to you. I had bereavements and yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't easy, but... Can I ask you who passed away or My what father passed away um, in May, three days after my birthday. I think, oh. do you know what? I think he held out until after my birthday. And uh, yeah, so that was sad. But it was also a, a beautiful experience. Not... Obviously, obviously, I wasn't delighted that he was passing away, but it was a lovely experience in that it was just um, nice to be there and to be present and to to have 
uh, family around and I was prepared, you know. Was that May just gone by or? Uh, May 2020 and then my, my mother-in-law who lived with us for eight years, she passed away as well one week before that. Oh, that's very tough. Oh, that so is tough. Yeah. It was, it was. And there was different experiences as well. We we should always take into factor different uh, experience that people were feeling during the pandemic. Of course, I had bereavements, but like I also kind of couldn't focus on that because I had to focus on my, my children because mm. my daughter was going um, through a leave insert you know, where she yeah. didn't get to say goodbye to her friends, where she was going into college, oh, where so weird. she was upset and she had her own anxieties and things like that. So everybody feels things in a different way because everybody experiences things in a different way because we're all individuals and what, we all deal with things differently. What did your dad bring to your world when he was here? Oh, he was great. Was he? Yeah, he was lovely. Like, to be honest, like my mom and my sister are very close. So yeah. I could say I never really, even though I had a mom, I... Um, she was closer to my sister and because of their closeness I could never have a sister relationship or a mother relationship but I had a good relationship with my dad yeah he was yeah we like that's the thing like anytime now I get upset or something like I I miss him because he'd be the one that I'd talk to Was he music? Uh, no do you know what he loved music but yeah. he was very proud Um, but uh, his most proudest moment was when I was singing in Croke Park at the semi-finals like, that's my witty up there now singing the national anthem. And I said, but I'm going to Covent Garden. But you're in Croke Park. That's even better. <laughs> Celine Byrne and Claudia Boyle from the Ryan Tuberty Show. And on Today with Claire Byrne, news from America. Tyree Nichols and the five former Memphis police officers charged with his murder. Saying the US President Joe Biden has urged protesters in Tennessee to remain peaceful as officials plan to release body cam footage of a confrontation between 29-year-old Tyree Nichols and police officers at a traffic stop on the 7th of January. Five former Memphis police officers were charged yesterday with murder and other crimes in the killing of Tyree who died three days after the incident. With more on this I'm joined on the line by Terry Sheridan News Director with WS HU Public Radio. Terry, thank you for joining us on this this morning. Now, before we talk about the body cam footage, will you remind us about what happened during that confrontation on the 7th of January? Well, it was uh, it was a police stop because the officer said that Nichols was driving erratically, driving dangerously, and they stopped him about two minutes maybe from his house. The police originally said that there was a confrontation at the vehicle that Nichols ran, there was another confrontation, and then they took him to the hospital because he claimed shortness of breath. The body cam footage shows exactly what those confrontations were, and basically that the five police officers were lying and covering up what they did to Nichols. Okay, and there's a lot of speculation about what is on that footage, and a lot of nervousness ahead of its release. Absolutely. Not only not only in Memphis, not only in Tennessee, but across the United States in uh, urban areas. Uh, we remember two and a half years ago, the George Floyd case in which uh, there was unrest in all cities across the country. So that's what officials are worried about. And again, as we talked to video, officials call it absolutely appalling what the five police officers did to Nichols. Uh, so they're urging for calm, as you heard, the president's urging for calm. And they're just bracing to see what the reaction is. They're also saying that because they're releasing the video, because they've quickly and swiftly first fired and now charged the officers, that they're taking this case seriously. The family of Tyree Nichols and his lawyers, they have seen this footage already, haven't they, Terry? And they've made comment about it. 
Yes, they have. They've seen it. Uh, family members said they couldn't watch the whole thing. There's about an hour worth of video, both from police body cameras and also from stationary cameras uh, from around the scene and also in the police cars. They say it's very, it, it's tough to watch. I mean, they used the word that uh, Nicholas was a, a pinata that they were. They were just beating him. And throughout it, he was just saying, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? President Joe Biden then uh, saying, appealing for calm really ahead of the release of this footage, Terry. And that plays into what we were saying about this nervousness around what might come once this footage is seen by the wider public. Absolutely. I mean, there have been there were been peaceful protests in Memphis. There was other uh, less than peaceful protests in some cities throughout the week. Nothing what we saw at the scale of George Floyd. There's going to be an interesting turn in this because, again, Tyree Nichols is a black man. All five of the police officers are also black. So there, for the for the black community, there is this pain that like not only did Tyree lose his life, but that these five officers were also involved. So, again, everyone's being everyone's getting ready for what happens when that video is released. Action taken against those five officers was pretty swift. They're former officers now because they were fired, weren't they? And now charged with murder. Oh, they've been charged. Yeah, they were fired uh, three days or four days after the incident um, or after uh, Nichols died. But they have a whole bunch of charges, including kidnapping, official misconduct, official uh uh, 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 many other crimes, but it, the big two are, you know, obviously second degree murder, kidnapping and uh, official misconduct. Now, we have seen and, and you mentioned some of the other controversies involving police. There is a huge issue here in the United States when it comes to the behaviour of police, but it's usually connected to racial discrimination. In this case, it won't be. How do you see this playing out? I don't know how it will play out because, again, yes, the racial element is removed, but there is uh, uh, there is tension, and there is um, th- there is big tension between communities of color and the police as a whole, as a department. Uh, George Floyd, or in several of the other cases, not all of the officers were white. So we've seen a little bit of this before, but it's usually against the police and the way that the police do their job in communities of color, even if the officers are black. And is anything being done to address the reputation of the police, the behaviour of, of the police? Uh, it, it's on a department by department uh, measure. Uh, some police departments are reforming themselves uh, after the George Floyd murder. Many departments, especially those here in New York State and the Northeast Connecticut, uh, they put in reforms. Um, they put in mandatory uh, transparency measures. Other departments, not so much. So it's not as if, if the United States said, OK, every police department needs to do this or that even every state needs to do this. It's usually done on a department by department basis. But perhaps we can read something into how this has been dealt with in the early stages of it. So the firing of the officers, the fact that the Charges came, and also Terry, the fact that we're going to see this video footage pretty swiftly without there being a clamour for it to be released. Absolutely, I mean that goes a long way. About 15 years ago, in New York City, uh, a black man was killed by police on the night before his wedding at his bachelor party, and the city officials, NYPD. Uh, immediately came out and were very transparent and said, no, this should not have happened. 
that went a long way in changing the way it was perceived. There was no protests, there were no riots, but there was conversation and dialogue going on between the police and the community. Terry Sheridan from Today with Claire Byrne. And back to the live lines. Funny Friday at the Kingsley Hotel in Cork. And a special visit from Michael D. Ukturan, Ukturan, I know you want to wish I want your address. I want to be in that bed and I want be, to be handcuffed. Because I, I won't go back. I was in Senegal and I was to go back to Senegal. I won't. Jesus, I want you, baby. And I want the agricultural version of Fifty Shades of Grey, which is 50 bales of hay. I love you, baby, like I've never loved before. Run, Betty, run. Um, uh, I'm, I'm reliably informed, Uthran, uh, that, that, that you were talking about and concerned about what you described as a new low in Irish. I'm referring to the yes. throwing of dung yes. or manure yes. at politicians at a meeting in Garth some yes. weeks ago. Well, would you like to expand, uh, Uthran? Yes, well, would I you would, like to elucidate and join? Uh, yeah, I would, because it's in the script. That's why I would like to expand. <laughs> It's nothing short of a disgrace. Politics has reached a new low in this country. It, it, to my mind, it's shocking, so it is. So much so I've decided to draw, to draw up new legislation to regulate the throwing of dung at political meetings. It will be known as the Flinging of Dung Act 2023. And it will, it will oh, Joe, regulate all this area. Yeah, but surely, surely, Ogden, the throwing of any manure has to be condemned and outlawed by any right-thinking politician but, or public figure. Uh, Do you agree? Uh, no, 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 not really. Uh, you, you, you see, there is a different, there's different types of dung, Joe, that can be thrown in different circumstances, which uh, would be quite legitimate. I'm losing it there, Tom. Would you like, would you like to explain? Well, as would usual, you you, you, you've lost it years ago, Joe, if it comes <laughs> down to it. But as usual, uh, you've got to look at the bigger picture. For example, Joe, horse manure is it's uh, it's user friendly. It's environmentally friendly, and uh, you know if you uh, see it at uh, meetings, you can. Use, for example, I use it on rhubarb and roses round the orris. It's uh, it's great for the June roses, the climbers, the wild roses, and the cabaret roses. And <laughs> Uktaran, <laughs> you cannot be serious signing off on legislation that will subject our cities to being exposed to having horse manure thrown at them. Our listeners, I'm sure, agree. That would be simply outrageous. Yeah, you're, as usual, you're pathetic. That priest in Kerry was right. You're just downright pathetic. That's what you are. Our TDs and senators are well used to have themselves, you know, uh, they're used to that up in the dole with the government and the opposition uh, talking bullshit and throwing it across the floor of the house at one of them. For God's sake, will you cop off? And then, in the interests of balance, Joe had another special guest. In the interest of balance, where, as you know, RT is very constrained by the Broadcasting Acts 1934, 1973, 2010, 11, 12, 14, and 17. So we need to balance up uh, the government press office of Manon. They think uh, the minister, uh, Pascal Donoghue, has got an unfair mention on the programme, and we are obliged to um, rectify that immediately. So I'm going to have a quick word with... Pascal Donoghue, Pascal, can I ask you, I know you dropped in unexpectedly, apparently you're up and down every pole in Cork and the way down, <laughs> but you've had, but Minister, uh, I must say, you've had a bruising few days, I mean, what lessons have you learned from what people are well, now referring been, to as, as post, poster gate? Can I just interrupt you there, Joseph? <laughs> There's been a lot less bruising, 
since Sinn Féin's peccadilloes were exposed. And now Sinn Féin have an army of 2,000 people uh, probing their expenses. <laughs> and they have a unique way, Sinn Féin, of reducing their electoral expenses. They just don't pay their bills. <laughs> Which we might try next time in Fine Gael. Sorry, Joe, you were saying, before I interrupted. <laughs> and, uh, how, are, are there lessons? Are there lessons from Postergate? Well, for starters, from now on, they put up my own posters. <laughs> That's lesson number one. I'm after purchasing a little van, a little Hoye, uh, 1983. You know, they don't call me Pascal the Prudent for nothing. Um, and uh, I purchased also a double extension ladder, 22 feet uh, long, and a pair of steps. And in my spare time, when I'm not putting up posters, I decided to start a little window cleaning business. Um, now, I know that you, Joseph, are a denizen, are a resident, although I find it easier to say denizen, because there's no S's in denizen, <laughs> uh, of Dublin a one. And um, I'm going to give you this form, Joe, to fill in. Thank your you name, much, address, yeah. and your air code. And I can put you down for a monthly clean. Um, inside, outside. Upstairs, downstairs. Hall stairs and landing. Uh, back and front. And I'll also be doing face and soffits. Um, and I think if it goes well, Joseph, I might pack up the old political stuff. Because to be honest with you, it's a pain in the arse. <laughs> Doc. Oh. There's a man uh, after Christmas, he's got a new suit for Christmas, right? I know this man well, and he's a bit unlucky. Got a lovely new suit, and with the suit, he got a spare pair of trousers. Okay? And a week later, he burned a hole in the jacket. <laughs> <laughs> There's a man in the hospital, he wakes up, and he noticed the man in the bed next to him, he's covered from head to toe in plaster. And he said, uh, What happened to you? He said, An accident that woke. See, what did you work on? He said, a retired window cleaner. <laughs> he said, when did you retire? He said, halfway down. <laughs> <laughs> Woman in the hospital, the doctor says, your husband's very bad. He's at that store. So can you push him in? <laughs> <laughs> Doc Savage on Liveline's Funny Friday. And on the Ray Darcy show, in advance of St. Bridget's Day next Wednesday... Siobhan McSweeney was talking about her programme called Finding Bridget with her old friend, Ray Darcy. Yeah, so uh, St. Bridget's Day next Wednesday. Uh, and then we have the St. Bridget's Bank Holiday weekend. Thank you so much, St. Bridget. Um, and to celebrate all of that, there is a documentary on Tuesday night, which is the eve of St. Bridget's Day, called Finding Bridget. Uh, it's fronted by Siobhan McSweeney, who is on the phone. Hello, Siobhan. Hi, Ray. Are you not sick of talking to me now? I feel as if all I do, I get up in the morning and I talk to Ray. I... <laughs> Absolutely sick to the... If you open the fridge, there I am going, morning, Ray. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. And, and in studio, um, Dr. Neve Witcherly, who uh, features in the documentary. First of all, can I say to you both that I really, really loved it. I, I loved oh, I'm it. so yeah. glad. No, I loved Excellent. it because you are uh, engaged and engaging uh, and curious and, and, and you sort of drag us through it in, in, a, in a really beautiful way. 
Um, and of course, you've people like Neve with you. You've Mary McAleese. You've Mary Kennedy. You've you've experts, yeah. and you travel all over the country, and you even go as far as Glastonbury. Um, so yeah. it's it's well worth a watch. It's it's not it's not a sort of a typical documentary on a saint, is it? Siobhan. God, God, God no. no, no. Thank you for saying that. By the way, um, I think I think you. Uh, I, I'm glad that you can pick up that I'm very interested in it. But that's down uh, down to people like Neve and how fascinating they are and how fascinating the subject matter is. I suppose um, the least interesting when I was asked to do this, um, the least interesting aspect of me uh, of me of the subject matter was the actual saint aspect of it. I was far more interested in learning about. Bridget, the actual woman, which Neve speaks so eloquently about. And of course, the sort of mythology um, and the sort of um, contemporary worship of her that is completely uh, separate from a sort of Catholic or Christian church um, idea of the saint. But actually finding out about these two aspects of, the, of, of Bridget, it was really interesting then to find out about the saint. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. it's it, it, it is genuinely interesting. I, I felt at the end of it, we could have done a series um, and mm. I would have been watching them all. Uh, I'm very interested in this. Yeah, all the many, all the many Bridgets. Um, yeah. I was telling them that both of you have Bridget as your, your middle mm. name or confirmation name, Neve. My confirmation name. Confirmation name, right, right. Um, was, that, was that mandatory or did you choose it, Neve? <laughs> Yeah, mandatory <laughs> to take on the only Irish no, female. Were, somebody said that we got a text to say that in a certain area it was mandatory. Really? Yeah, they're in Selbridge in Kildare. No. It was mandatory to take well, Bridget I was as in your Cork, name. Right, um, okay. So I, yeah, I could have, I had Gubnet and all sorts of things as options down there, but no, Bridget. Yeah. Yes, and you're yeah. Cork as well, Siobhan, so you had options there as well, but both of you chose Bridget. I did Bridget, have yeah. got options and it would have been Gubnet as well, but I went, no, I stood firm and I said, no, it would be Breed. And it was no, for no pious reason. It was, for no, it was because I was reading all these really cool mm. Celtic fantasy books yeah. at the time and she was like this really cool warrior poet I'm like yeah I'll have me some of that that speaks a lot more to me than being somewhat pious and a good girl as yeah. you well know So Neve Witcherly then you're out in Maynooth is it? Yeah, yeah and thanks earlier I heard you gave me a promotion so hopefully oh, yeah, all, everyone yes, in Maynooth sorry, University sorry, sorry, all, the, yeah, all, yeah. all the Paris that are listening anytime, in Anytime, anytime <laughs> <laughs> Yeah so I'm in the Department of Early Irish in Maynooth University and I'm a medieval historian and I focus on the early church in Ireland and Europe yeah. and saints. And, and you were fascinated by St. Bridget as well. Yeah. And it's funny because I say this kind of in the document. Well, I'm not sure exactly what I say in the documentary, <laughs> but I was talking to Siobhan that it's only really in the last year with the new public holiday that I'm getting asked so many questions about Bridget that I actually sat back and said, what do I really think about St. Bridget? Because I have been <laughs> studying her kind of for a long time and I realised I was studying around her, you know, the people who venerated her or what people wrote about her. And then when I took time to actually reflect on St. Bridget herself and to go back to the beginning and to go back to the earliest sources, I realised that actually the thing that there aren't many people talking about now is the real woman herself. Mm. Who, you know, like us, flesh mm. and blood. Yeah. So Ray asked about Bridget, the woman. So the woman then, let's talk about the woman, um, Neve and, and Siobhan. Uh, so what, what do you know about St. Bridget as a woman, Siobhan McSweeney? Well, I suppose uh, knowing about the woman, knowing about uh, the, the few bits of information that we do have, a, that she existed. B, that she had a position of power 
um, the the minutia of that were, wasn't as interesting to me. I suppose what I say in the documentary is that I have this very, um, understandably, a very romantic idea of pre-Christian Ireland, of it being far more egalitarian with these Bren laws and the idea of this sort of noble uh, Celtic past, which uh, was far uh, kinder to women. And uh, Niamh and facts have put me straight on that, that actually um, it was the same level of rubbish that women had to deal with then as they have to deal, you know, deal Which... with now and, and even more so. And that was sort of, that only placed Bridget the woman's mm -hmm. achievements. Um, it only raised them up as yes. being all the more remarkable. And, and was she an abbess? Was she over a monastery in Kildare? And, yes. and were there monks and nuns there? Yes. Yes. Okay, so she headed up a group of people, holy people, both men and women. So it probably would have started slowly enough and we don't have any written sources surviving from the time describing exactly how it, that would have happened. But we can imagine this girl, this woman, she potentially could have gotten land given to her by her father or brother or male relative who had some land that she, they said, you can, yeah, you can, if you, you want, you can build a church here, find a community. We don't know. We don't have the sources. We just kind of know what, how these kind of things evolved. But what we do know is by the seventh century, by the 600s, the church that she founded, the community that she founded in Kildare was a massive institution, mm -hmm. was hugely influential and yes, had a community of monks and nuns living side by side. But also these Big churches like Kildare, they were a lot more than just monasteries. You know, they were massive players in the political landscape of Ireland. They were huge was, was Kildare the main centre in the country at one stage? So... I'm just asking this yeah, as a Kildare no, man. Well, yeah, no, I, you should be rightly proud of Kildare. Kildare, in the the whole the world that I live in of medieval Ireland, Kildare is, you know, the be all Kildare and end all. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so Kildare and Armagh were fighting it out for head of the Irish church. Yeah. That's what's going on in the seventh century. And what, what Kildare had that Armagh didn't have is Kildare had the bodies of Bridget and her Bishop Conlaid on display in the church, mm. in these tombs that were elaborately decorated and everything and that people flocked. Pilgrims came from far and wide to Kildare to, to see these tombs, whereas Armagh didn't have the body of Patrick. And uh -huh. this was a big feather in the cap of Kildare. Uh, and Siobhan, the word bridge uh, oddly is oddly used a lot uh, because it's, it sounds like Bridget. Uh, and, and the bridge refers to how she spanned the pagan and Christian worlds. Yes, I think so. And I think also there's a, there's a lot of discussion about breed and Bridget also being a term of, it would sort of just means the exalted one. It's just like um, the big, the big boss. Right. So it could actually just, it's, uh, it, it could be, so there's a lot of uh, speculation that perhaps Bridget's there's a chance that she didn't live for the 150 years or whatever they said that she lived. <laughs> That it was her successor who uh, would have been give, given the same title Aha, of, yes, yes, yeah. of, of breed, of bridey, of all these various things. I mean, to a certain extent, um, I don't want to shock you now, but I'm no academic. And <laughs> I... No. I, I know I know it's a general misconception that I'm obviously uh, <laughs> a, a deeply uh, academic person, but I sort of, what interests me is not in the uh, finite uh, standalone facts 
about the woman. It's also about how we interpret those facts later mm. on, what she means to us now. Mm. How can she, as a real person and as a concept, evolve um, to reflect the Ireland that is, is of now? Siobhan McSweeney and Neve Witterly from The Ray Darcy Show. And on Liveline's Funny Friday, comedian Sharon Mannion had breaking news. Breaking news! As Jackie Hurley is announced as the new female host of the Sunday game, some men have complained as to her reasons for getting the job. A surname like Hurley gives her an unfair advantage! Roared one particularly angry man. Rumours that she will be joined on the panel by Henry Schlither and Margaret Goldpost are yet to be verified. Garda fitness tests were deemed too demanding last week and will now be adapted to cover just the three basics required for any member of the force. Leaning into car windows, making up breathalyzer test results and winking. (laughs) As Ireland prepares for another icy snap, the Met Office have issued a series of yellow weather warnings. Warnings which are also known as Tis nippy out there. Jesus, there's a bite in that. And that'd freeze the balls off a brass monkey. (laughs) And finally, as the energy crisis continues, customers have been encouraged to warm their homes using the heat coming off Pascal O'Donoghue's expenses account. (laughs) And now for the uh, Oscars, the Oscars nominations. Welcome to the Kingsley Hotel and the 2023 Oxters Awards. Uh, so named as the recipients will stick their Oxter, uh, or their award water, under their Oxter. <laughs> now our first Oxter category is for best film, and the nominations are The Banshees of Inishirin, Top Gun, All Quiet on the Western Front, and The North Protocol. <laughs> and the winner is The North Protocol. Oh, brilliant. This is a reworking of Frederick Forsyth's The Fourth Protocol, but more confusing. A story of hard borders, intrigue, and the movement of sausages. <laughs> Directed and starring Jeffrey Donaldson and James Cleverly, and introducing Maros Sefkovic. We were going to play you a clip of the film, but it would just bore you to death. <laughs> and now we'll move on to Best Director Award. And the nominations are Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Jeffrey Donaldson, The North Protocol, <laughs> Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inishirin and Pascal Donoghue for Three Billboards Outside Fibsborough, Dublin Central. <laughs> that's a popular one. And the Oxter goes to Pascal Donoghue hey! for Three Billboards Outside Fibsborough, Dublin Central. And we're delighted to have Pascal here to receive his award. Congratulations, <laughs> Pascal. Thank you. Does he want to make a thank you speech? And I just, very short, very brief, I just want to undertake, officially, that if it reaches the appropriate value, which I don't know what it is, I will be making the appropriate return to Tippo. <laughs> Thank you, Pascal. Congratulations. Now we're going to move on to the best actor in a leading role. And the nominations are Brendan Fraser, The Whale, Stephen Donnelly, A Nightmare in Ellen Park Hospital, <laughs> Colin Farrell, Banshees of Inishirin. And Michael McGrath, The Wolf of Kildare Street. <laughs> and the Oxter goes to Stephen Donnelly for that terrifying nightmare in Ellen Park Hospital. <laughs> Stephen cannot be with us today, but he will get his Oxter about as quickly as one might get a hospital bed. <laughs> so I hope he's not in any rush. 
Now we're going to move on for Best Actress in a Leading Role. And the nominations are Claire Daly, Rebel Without a Cause. <laughs> Michelle Yeoh, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Mary Lou MacDonald, There's Something About Mary. <laughs> Viola Davis, The Woman King. And the Oxter goes to Mary Lou MacDonald. Unfortunately, Mary Lou cannot be with us today as she's on her way to a meeting that she wasn't invited to. <laughs> so we will send her the Oxter she doesn't expect. <laughs> now we come to the Oxter for Best Supporting Actor. And the nominations are Barry Keown, Banshees of Inishir. Eamon Ryan, The Wind That Shakes the Turbines. <laughs> Brendan Gleeson, Banshees of Inishirin. And Dermot Bannon, A Room With A View. <laughs> and the Oxter goes to Dermot Bannon, A Room With A View. <laughs> now, sadly, Dermot is not with us today. He is currently in hospital having a measuring tape removed. Uh, get well soon, Dermot. And finally, the Oxter for Best Supporting Actress. And the nominations are... Kerry Condon, Banshees of Inishirin. <laughs> Nuala Carey, Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> Panty Bliss, Dirty Dancing. And Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And the Oxter goes to... Nuala Carey, Little Miss Sunshine. <laughs> now, unfortunately, Nuala didn't make it to the awards as she got stuck at the Dunkettle Interchange. <laughs> uh, and she's still moving around in a severe anti-cyclone direction. <laughs> Um, she will eventually get her oxter when she turns up. So congratulations to all our winners this year, and we'll see you again next year for the 2024 Oxter Awards. Goodbye from the Kingsley Hotel. From Liveline's Funny Friday. And on Today with Claire Byrne, talk of another €200 Euro credit for electricity. Ministers are said to be considering giving another €200 Euro household electricity credit in the coming months. The current credit is worth €600. Euro. The final payment of €200 is due to hit householders' accounts in March. But according to the Irish Independent today, Cabinet Ministers are considering another round of €200 Euro to help ease the financial burden of electricity bills in the coming months. Now, speaking in the Dáil yesterday, the Energy Minister Eamon Ryan said we need to wean ourselves off the emergency energy supports introduced on foot of the global inflation crisis sparked by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. In a moment I'll speak to Celine Clark who's Head of Advocacy and Public Affairs with Age Action Ireland but first Philip Ryan is Political Editor with the Independent Group and Philip is on the line. Good morning Philip. Good morning Claire. So, as I said there with 600 euro credit is already guaranteed the last payment coming in March. Is it going to be extended yeah, this is what is up for the discussion anyway, that uh, as we know, February 28 is going to be a big date um, for the cost of living measures that were introduced in the budget. A lot of things were extended from the budget uh, when we're talking about excise duty cuts on fuel, we're talking about uh, VAT reductions on our electricity bills uh, and some other measures, the, the VAT reduction, of course, for the, the hospitality and tourism sector as well. So. Uh, we, along with those items, we have every household in the country has been seeing this 200 euros come off their bills um, in three instalments, uh, four in total when you take the, the one that came in last year. So what will be at the centre of discussion is, is this, is this um, kind of subvention from the government still needed? Um, for the bills in March and April. Will the high level, the bills that we've all seen over recent months, they could still be there in this case. Um, they, they'll be obviously dropping at probably lower than what we 
what you generally have in December, January, mm-hmm. uh, when the, the higher bills are. So what they're going to look at is, do you put in another 200 payment to pay help for those months, or do you, you put in place a pledge to, to introduce the same payments again next winter when we're coming into the colder months at the, the opposite end of this year? Because we know the wholesale prices have dropped back mm. uh, from the highs. That hasn't really come through yet because p- the suppliers buy in advance. Um, but Eamon Ryan saying we need to wean ourselves off the emergency supports, Philip. What do we read into that? Is he saying that we shouldn't extend measures like this one and some of the others that are in place? Yeah, I, th- I think he is kind of um, preparing for a, a kind of a soft or probably maybe a hard landing for, for some people when it comes to these measures, especially even before Christmas. Um, he did one of these media interviews with uh, the political journalist and he was again in, in that instance very much suggesting that uh, the, the, the excise duties around fuel and that they wouldn't be staying in place, the, the VAT cut on the energy bills. He didn't think they, they he didn't believe it would be necessary for those to be continued beyond February 28th. And uh, Look, from the other side of the house and Mr. Ryan himself, they said the other phrase they like to use, the other buzzwords are uh, no cliff edge. So people, they don't want a situation where they just pull everything away in, in, in one fell swoop. Um, people are left with uh, higher electricity bills, higher gas bills, higher fuel costs to drive to and from work or pick up their kids or whatever they have to do. So they, they don't want to do it all in one go. So what I think the political solution could be to this is that you do promise another 200 quid off the, the electricity bills because that's gone down quite well. You hit everybody in the country with that. Philip Ryan there. Then Claire spoke to Celine Clark from Age Action. What do you think should happen when it comes to these supports, bearing in mind what Eamon Ryan said about needing to wean ourselves off them? So it's good that the government recognises that people need help. But from Age Action's perspective, there are some people who need more help, particularly people who depend on social welfare. And that includes many older people who depend on the state pension and other supports um, for the majority of their income. So we would really like to see that emergency measures are necessary in an emergency time. But some people are in a problem for a protracted a long time, particularly older people who live in poor insulated homes. Um, it's a very old housing stock. The United Nations recognises that 48% of older persons in Ireland do not have adequate housing. So these people are going to be maybe locked into fossil fuels. They need a sustained approach to support them. It's not an emergency for them. It's going to be a way of life as fossil fuels are only going to go one way. But the the, the supports that are there around the fuel allowance and the expansion of the income threshold, that's not up for discussion. That's staying, isn't it? Well, we welcome the fact that the fuel allowance was expanded to people over 70 because that recognises that they're in a particularly difficult situation. So the means test was raised. It's €500 Euro for an individual and a €1,000 for a couple um, for people over the age of 70. Now, unfortunately, we've seen a slower uptake in people applying um, or been eligible for that um, fuel allowance which came into effect in January. His uh, latest figures from the Minister released under PQ show that there's only 4,300 people who have been eligible for that um, new benefit. So we would really encourage people to check if they are eligible and to apply for it and to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the fuel is one element of people's um, 
problem in coping with the cost of living. The other is that the state pension is losing purchasing power. Celine Clark from Age Action from Today with Claire Byrne. And on Funny Friday on Liveline, it's Concepta. Hello, Joe. You're after coming all the way from Dublin. Yeah, uh, yeah. Did, did you find it hard getting a day off school? No, you have to go to school to get a day off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you've, re- you've written an essay. Yeah. Very good, yeah. No, What's no. this one called? Uh, same as everything. Give up your old Give up your old sins. Yeah. Okay. The people of the land were slowly emerging from their winter hibernation. The Christmas trees were put away or thrown away. Or if you're a disciple of Eamon the Green, you recycled your tree responsibly. The fairy lights were rolled up in a ball and thrown back up in the attic, waiting to cause a row next Christmas when they have to be unravelled. The family fights over who really won the game of Monopoly are over, and Grandad's back is much better since his attempt at Twister on Stephen's Day. The last of the celebration suites have been finished off, although the stupid little bounty bars are still there. The Galaxy Caramels, Malteser Teasers and the Little Mars Bars are long gone. Now, there's a stretch in the evening, and the people are beginning to feel good, sort of. And you'd know it was a slow time of the year for news when Joseph the Listener and his followers spend an hour or so discussing butter. In fact, he spread it over a whole show. <laughs> See what I did there, Joe? Yeah. Oh, yes, the knives were out for anyone pretending that the gold-wrapped rubbish they were selling was true Irish butter. In far-off lands, the butter was king. My ma said it was far off from butter we were raised. We were lucky to get margarine with the dripping kept for me da. But the people of the land loved their butter and they remembered the solemn words spoken about it, like passages from the butter Bible. Hello there, is there something I can help? Well, you can put a bit of butter on the spuds, Andre. And the other great line, if a little cryptic, who's taking the horse to France? Anyway, and the Kerrygold butter, like manna from heaven, is made from... Irish grass-fed cows, remember now, these are the same cows that are getting the blame for the climate change and messing up the weather. So the choice is yours. Great summers are lousy butter. <laughs> oh, yes, you'd know it was a slime, slow time of the year for news. But just when we thought it was safe to open the fridge again, the elders in the temple had started a row about expenses, and poor Pascal, the former tax collector, was questioned about a few bob that he was out when adding up his sums. And who amongst us hasn't, when written down 16, forgot to carry the one, sure your sums would be haywire, and then when that happens, and I should know, it, just ask me teacher, it, it just is terrible, anyway, his friends cried out in the temple, whoever it is without sin cast the first stone, well you never saw so many rock stones and pebbles <laughs> being hidden away under chairs, inside coats and behind curtains, although a few handfuls of gravel were pegged over from the Healy Rays, anyway keep up your old chains and God bless Concepta on Liveline's Funny Friday. And that's it for Playback Daily, so mind yourself till next time.